Good morning. Uh, welcome as we come to worship today. We start our service with Psalm 134. It says, Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. A call uh, to worship, a call to write in our hearts before the Lord this morning, uh, a call to make ourselves open and receptive to what He would do amongst us as we gather as a community of faith. And so we pray together. Father, we come to you as we bow in silence. Yet inside we can shout for joy. We come on the silence overawed by the thought that you love us beyond measure. That you loved us so much that you gave your only son to suffer and die for us. Yet to think of your love can make us long to break our silence, to shout for joy, to sing your praise and to declare what you have done to the people and the world around us. We thank you this morning as we come to worship, as we come to set time aside to focus on you, that you've given us a new birth into a living hope, a hope that cannot be smashed, a hope that cannot be put out. We come this morning knowing that we can be healed, restored and forgiven. So in this moment, whether we've gathered here, in person, or online. Help us to accept our worship and our praise, both silent and spoken, for your glory and to your holy name. Amen. Amen. Uh, the reading this morning is taken from Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12. That's Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12. Wise men come to visit Jesus. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the time when Herod was king. When Jesus was born, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the baby who was born to be king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled, as were all the people in Jerusalem. Herod called a meeting of all the leading priests and teachers of the law and asked them where the Christ would be born. They answered, in the town of Bethlehem in Judea, the prophet wrote about this in the scriptures. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Ju Judah, are not just an insignificant village in Judah. A ruler will come from you who will be like a shepherd from, for my people, Israel. Then Herod had a secret meeting with the wise men and learned from them the exact time they first saw the star. He sent the wise men to Bethlehem, saying, Look carefully for the child. When you find him, come tell me so I can worship him too. After the wise men heard the king, they left. The star that they had seen in the east went before them until it stopped above the place where the child was. When the wise men saw the star, they were filled with joy. They came to the house where the child was and saw him with his mother. Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their gifts and gave him treasures of gold, frankincense and myrrh. But God warned the wise men in a dream not to go back to Herod. So they returned to their own country by a different way. Thank you to Stephen uh, for reading that uh, today. Stephen wasn't able to be with us at the baptism, but it's great to have him 
uh, as part of the service um, today. Let's pray as we open God's word. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us. And as we uh, open your word now, a word that is living and active, uh, Lord, open our hearts and our minds before it, that your spirit uh, may speak to us. Not my words, but your word come alive in our hearts, our minds, and our very souls today. In your name, amen. Amen. The visitors, um, the wise men, the magi, the kings uh, from the east. Um, do you know, it's a strange world that we live in. Isn't it? Actually, and that's a phrase that you're hearing more and more often. It's a strange world. It's strange times. Um, it's unprecedented times. Um, everyone's a little bit funny still, isn't it? And then you normally point at a mask or you point at sanitizing your hands or the standing apart or whatever it is. We're living in a strange world. Times are changing. Habits are shifting. And so are perspectives. Everything around us seems to be very fluid at the moment. We're uncertain of what the next step's going to be. We're uncertain of what the next move will be. We're uncertain of, sometimes we're actually uncertain what it is we're allowed to do and not allowed to do and what the restrictions are and what the restrictions aren't. And do you take a PCR or do you just do a lateral flow and then if you do that, how long do you isolate or how long do you not isolate? And then what day is it, day eight or day 10? And all of a sudden, everything's become so fluid that it's actually quite hard to find the concrete moment uh, around us. And that's not just with the COVID thing. That's with... Uh, or perspectives or worldviews in society as well. Yet some things remain the same. Some things never ever change. Uh, I remember whenever um, we moved from uh, Dromore uh, Parish in County Tyrone um, into Willowfield Inner City East Belfast. Um, my accent almost changed to Inner City East Belfast. Um, uh, and after about six months of being there, somebody said to me, this must be very different. How is it, how is it different? Well, I said, well, it's kind of a bit noisier. Pace of life's a lot faster. But actually, whenever you're ministering amongst people, people are the same no matter where you are. It's just a different face and a different name. There's the same personality types. Um, there's the same idiosyncrasies. Um, there's the same challenges of life. There's the same celebrations of life. And so actually, in the midst of a fluid world that we're living in, some things still remain the same. The underlying frailty of our humanity exposes things that we don't like, doesn't it? We look at our TV screens, um, and even just this week, don't often comment on political things, even just this week, uh, for the first time ever, a current sitting US president called a previous US president a liar on TV. Lies or underachieving or pride, all the human frailties that sometimes we look at, we maybe see in ourselves, we don't like, we don't want to see, we're uncertain of. The reality is in our human frailty, no matter how long this world exists, those things will always be there. That will be the same. But there is a better way. There is another way. It's not new because the scriptures tell us that there is nothing new under the sun. Um, everything that has been, has, everything that will be has been before. Everything that has been will be again. 
the better way is not new, but it can be refreshed in us. I think that's the important point to take in to this new year. The things that we know to be right and true can be refreshed in us, in me, in you. And so the scriptures speak today of an ancient meeting between magi, wise men, kings from a faraway land, whatever phrase we want to put on them, and the king of the superpower of the time. It opens with an event that changes everything, an event that we recently celebrated, and we celebrate every year because some things never change. We celebrate Christmas every year. This passage opens with an event that changes everything, the birth of Jesus. First one says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Then comes that human frailty of pride in this story. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So he called all, gathered all the people, the chief priests, as teachers of the law, and he asked them, where's the Christ to be born? The minute King Herod, the king of the superpower of the time, heard that a new king was to be born. Oh, hold on a minute. That can't be. I'm the king. I'm the king of the superpower. I'm the ruler of the day. <laughs> Where is this new king? I want to find out. And then the underachieving of all of his chief priests, his teachers, his rulers of the law. He asked him, where is the Christ to be born? He said, in Judea of Bethlehem. They reply, for it is written. But you, Bethlehem and Judah, and the land are by no means among the rulers. For if you will come a ruler, he will shepherd my people Israel. That's not what the king wanted to hear. There must have been nerves in those uh, special advisors, for want of a better phrase, nerves within them that actually... We have to tell the king something that he doesn't want to hear. It's written in the scriptures that actually this is the Messiah. This is the one who will overrule even him. And eventually in this story comes the lies. Verse 9. After they'd heard the king, this is the Magi, they went in the, oh, no, verse 8. He sent them to Bethlehem and he said, to the Magi, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so I may go and worship him too. But we know that that is not the case. We know that King Herod was lying at that point to ensure that the information that he wanted would come back to him. We know that Herod wanted to know where the king would be born. Now, we often put the wise men in the same category as the shepherds, don't we? We sing the songs, but they're near enough in the same line. We set our nativity sets in our homes at Christmas where they are in the same place at the same time. We celebrate Epiphany on January the 6th and we're celebrating it today in a sense. It comes after the Christmas period. But scholars who are much wiser and more astute than me than I could ever be tell us that actually it was nearly two years before the wise men came to visit Jesus. So he was a toddler, if you like. That's why King Herod, once he knew where they were, sent a decree that everybody under the age of two and was a boy should be slaughtered. 
For Herod was lying. Those inherent human frailties are exposed in this story. But we see the faithfulness of the Magi, the faithfulness of the wise men. They followed the star. They didn't know where it was going. They just followed. They were faithful. They followed the star, trusting that it was right. And then the climax of the story, they gave the gifts to the baby. Whenever they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures. They presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, and of myrrh. Whenever we read those verses, our minds almost immediately jump to the three gifts. So there must have been three wise men. Our minds immediately jump to what the gifts might mean, and we'll come to that in a little moment. But we miss the little bit just before that. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They were overjoyed. They couldn't contain themselves. It all came flooding out. We have a sanitized pictures, images, um, little figures in our homes at Christmas time of the wise men almost walking slowly humbly, carrying a gift, bowing as they come. I don't know about you, whenever I'm overjoyed, I, I don't go slowly. I, I don't go quietly. Says you, he never goes anywhere quietly. I saw the people, no. Um, but whenever you're overjoyed, don't you? you, you it, it bursts out of you. It, it shifts in you. Your whole demeanor changes. The inflection of your voice shifts. What you do changes your body language, softens, because joy is contagious and it overflows. You can't keep it in. Whenever you have joy in you, it cannot be contained. It flows out of you. And so they were overjoyed. So whenever I picture the wise men coming with the gifts, it's almost of them running and jumping and skipping and leaping and saying, yeah, we have found him. We've found him. We've traveled all this distance and now we have found him. He is here. More than that. We never thought this was coming in our lifetime. He is the Messiah. We've been waiting for him for hundreds of years. And we've yet to see him. We've yet to give him gifts. You can imagine the conversation never the three of them got back on their camels and left the place that the star had stopped at, can't you? But these gifts are important because into this human, this ancient story, into this story that brings out those moments of human frailty, of pride, of lies, of underachieving, of those things that we don't like necessarily in ourselves, the gifts speak of a better way. They bring something different into that place. The gold represents that he was a king, his kingly his majesty, his presence deserved the best of the best. And so the gold was presented to him. The incense, the frankincense was presented so that to represent that he would become the high priest, the one who would intercede for us on behalf. 
and intercede for us with the, Lord, the Father on behalf of us. And the myrrh being the embalming solution that was used at that period, in that time, in that culture, to preserve dead bodies before they were buried. Speaking of death to a baby who they were running and skipping and overjoyed to meet. There's a bit of irony in there, but yet it speaks of a much better way. This is where the new way is ushered in, right at the beginning of Jesus' life on earth. The appearance of the angels in the Christmas story now comes to its climax. We see the gifts as a sign of who Jesus is and what he will do. And in that moment, it's future tense. Whenever these gifts are presented to the baby, it's he will become a king. He will become a high priest. He will become our saviour who dies for us. For us, looking back, he is our king. He is our high priest. He is our saviour because it's not past tense. It's present because Christ is still alive. The wonderful image of the cross behind me. Horrific image of a place of death, but yet a place that ushers a better way in. A better way for you and for I. A place that offers us life, in the words of Jesus, life and life in all of its fullness. That's why we need to nurture faith in those around us. That's why we need to nurture faith, but yet always point to Jesus. Because it's not about what I can do or how good I am at it. It's playing my part, no matter how small or big that might be in the story of the Creator God. Never see your part as insignificant. It's a wonderful piece in a jigsaw that if it's not completed by you, leaves the jigsaw incomplete. There's nothing too small, there's nothing too large that we cannot be called to whenever the Lord's hand is upon us. Today I want to encourage us, as we did earlier and throughout this service, to create a space here where we nurture faith in each other. Where we recognize potential in those who sit around us and who are a part of this community of faith. Whether gathered here or online, we call it out on them, we encourage it in them, we speak it over them, and we encourage one another. Always, always, always pointing to Jesus getting to know him better and making him better known in our community. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us, that in this moment you have not left us stranded or alone, but that your presence brings the everything that we need for this moment. So Lord, as we cast our eyes and our minds around today, help us to see others who we can nurture faith within to encourage one another 
The scripture tells us not to give up encouraging one another. That the ancient truths of this event in history would refresh us today with a new sense of rejoicing and an overflowing joy that cannot be contained. In your precious name. Amen. And we close with our final prayer today. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us and that you go before us and as you send us out into the world around us. May the God who is able to do immeasurably more in each one of us, immeasurably more than we ask, seek, or would even dare to imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. May the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon us this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.